0: up everybody welcome
1: back to mile higher podcast episode 83 and today yeah. we're talking about jim jones and the people's temple i'm honestly surprised we have never talked about this aka Jonestown. most of you probably know it is that right and we have not talked about it yet, no we haven't
0: it is it is because it's just like
1: i could have sworn we did like when josh was like we should talk about jonestown this week i was you're like,
0: like we already did an episode and i was like no i could have sworn
1: i was like look it up look it up i yeah. know we did i know <laughs> and we i did and
0: i was like we definitely did it no you did a video on your channel about yeah it.
1: but i can only put so much in a right. video so right
0: so we're gonna do a deep dive on jim jones and the people's temple Yep. very crazy story if you've never it heard is. of it before get ready because yeah it's It's fucking wild, man. And we have some
1: new interesting details that we hadn't personally heard before. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of really interesting stuff with that. So that is what we will be covering today. But let's go ahead and just jump right into things. But first, I want to thank our sponsors for today's episode. We've got HoneyBook, HelloFresh, Quip, Embark, and Sundance Now. Thank you guys for the support. So the first story is a good one.
1: Well, I mean, it's already we're recording this on September 15th. So, oh, we got that raid just a few days away. people. So it might have already happened by the time you're listening to this. The big Area 51 raid is supposed to happen on September 20th. And there has been a little bit of news already, a little appetizer to the big show.
0: The fun's begun.
1: (laughs) Yes, the fun has begun people are already getting arrested trying to storm area 51
0: which we all saw this coming you know yes when they announced this
1: so this happened on tuesday of last week um nevada police have arrested two dutch youtubers actually and i'm going to butcher their <laughs> names i'm sorry their names
0: are wild though
1: yeah govert charles wilhelmus <laughs> jacob sweep
0: that's his full fucking that's name.
1: name that's one name might crazy. as well be jacob jingleheimer schmidt
0: seriously though
1: and what? then also ties Granzer. Granzer.
0: Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, that's pretty close.
1: His is like at least two names. That's all right. So, His first name's only four letters, so
0: So these two guys uh were basically they weren't actually at Area 51, but they were at a national mm-hmm. um Nevada security site, which is a government mm-hmm. nuclear facility about ten miles away from Area fifty one, and they actually had like Got into it, snuck in, Mm -hmm. um, and they had drones and cameras. And they were gonna, they thought that, you know, you can just go to the United States, break into a top secret base, clearly trying to get drone inside of it or something. Yeah, totally. And they went viral, but maybe not in the way they expected. Yeah. Um, But yeah, they essentially got busted. Um, They got arrested by the Nye County Sheriff's Office. And yeah, they, so they parked their car three miles away and they hiked into it apparently. Um, but they ended up getting <laughs> arrested and they now face charges of trespassing on a military base, which could land them Oopsie. in U.S. jail yeah. for. Six months, which that'll be a rude awakening, man.
1: Only six months, though. That's not honestly. I'm surprised they don't even crack down on them harder.
0: Seriously, can you imagine (laughs) knowing how
1: easy they put everyone away for such little things?
0: But can you imagine, like, my whole thought is like, God, these two Dutch Dutch boys have no clue what they're about to get into if they go to like prison for six months. Yeah,
1: American prison's not like no. Well, I guess I don't really know what Dutch prison is. That's true,
0: but I doubt it. It's it's like a prison in Nevada or something. Yeah. But this kind of second part to the story is kind of interesting. Um, If you didn't know, the creator of the event, uh, the Storm Mary 51 event, Maddie Roberts, because there was so much, obviously, interest surrounding this event, (laughs) they decided, you know, kind of, you know, it was a joke or whatever. But let's make like something out of it. There might be a business opportunity there. (laughs) So they were going to do this alien stock music festival there. They're just going to like do this. um, I believe in Rochelle. Nevada. Yeah. So pretty close to Area 51, but not like at Area 51. Welcome Earthlings. But unfortunately, they just announced this week that they had to cancel because essentially the creator's like, I don't want this to be Fire Festival 2.0. Yeah. And yeah. it's good, good for him.
1: It's <laughs> last minute. Yeah, he said lack of infrastructure, poor planning, risk management, blame disregard for safety of the res- expected 10,000 plus people.
0: That's kind of cool, though. Alien, stock alien stock, They should have they a should. like that. That'd be cool. There's a festival down yeah. in Roswell every year, but it's not like a music festival. An yeah. alien-themed music festival would be lit, man. Yeah, That'd be it sweet. It would. I'd go to that. I would definitely go to that.
1: That's really funny, though.
0: Yeah, so these guys, we'll see what happens with them, but as of right now, they are uh, in some trouble, so probably won't be the first, because, yeah. you know. Oh, and- I'm sure let see what week, happens we'll on the actual day. Yeah, I'm sure I mean, be... will yeah, I
1: mean, or nothing will happen. I mean, I've been no hyping it so. up like, oh, it's going to be crazy because I have a feeling there's going to be some people that will do, will actually oh, try sure. to do it. Yeah, there were sure so many people. people. I mean, it became such a viral thing. Yeah, I like, feel like two million plus people, people are said they're show. interested in going. So I think there's gonna be some arrests. I think it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, but we'll see. It I could be really boring and nothing will happen. We'll see. Yeah. A lot of you probably already know the outcome by the time this episode goes up
0: well about time. we'll see yeah it's
1: like friday of next week
0: yeah anyway. so we'll see what happens but this next thing is not so much a story but just kind of an observation of a news article that he found this is really interesting that is very bizarre because i i would say that i have been a fan of of this musician so jared leto um if you don't know who jared leto is he's an actor he's a lot of different things uh-huh. but he's best known for being the frontman for the band 30 seconds to mars which I'm sure most of you out there have probably heard at least one of their songs from yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bunch of them the uh the kill I think is another one That's a good one, but they've been around for a long time, but Jared Leto um is a very interesting individual um yeah. because these days he looks like a modern day Jesus, honestly yeah. he's got this like long flowing hair yeah um and he's essentially saying that. He has started a cult um, and actually they did an island retreat in Croatia last month. And, you know, sometimes mm. these bands and things like that, they do these private retreats where, you know, if you had got money to kill. Yeah. then And uh, yeah, you go to these special retreats where you can get kind of like intimate action with your favorite celebrities and musicians and stuff. I
1: mean, it's kind of cool. I mean, you were literally yeah. talking last week about doing a mile higher retreat one day. That's like, true. Maybe we could yeah. go to the mountains one day. Like, how cool would that be? We don't know if we can actually pull that off, people. But <laughs> we we're talking about cool. how interesting that would be to be around our yeah, like-minded, like-minded people, sure, people and, sure. you know, just hang out in a chill environment like that, especially right. in nature.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's what he did. Yeah. And I mean, the only thing about his deal, though, is that it does look a little weird. So, you know, in order to attend, you had to be wearing the same color, especially well, no, when no, they... No, 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 no. Well, not in order to t- to attend, but... There was
1: one day, I looked this up, there was one day where they did like a white day, where it was like a white event, where you like wore all white.
0: Oh, really? Okay.
1: Yeah. But then the rest of the week, it was like, you could wear whatever you wanted.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that makes us way less cultish then
1: yeah i think they were totally i think this is a total marketing thing i think it's it's kind of playing off of things like Jonestown, and it's trying to get some eyes on them and draw more interest to it but i don't know if it's an actual cult man i mean people are wearing t-shirts i looked at like the hashtags like people actually went to it on social media i just looked at their pictures it looks totally innocent like and they're all responding like yeah this is a cult hashtag cult like it's almost like they're they're making a joke out of it it's almost trolling people who aren't there like being like you would understand it if you can
0: Yeah, yeah yeah and i get that like he's trying to make it seem very exclusive but like it's an exclusive club like, but he's saying that it is like a cult this. and and i mean i don't yeah. know i feel like with jared leto especially yeah you never know like if he's just joking or if he's yeah. being more serious about it because he takes it very seriously
1: well and he's parading around he's got this long hair like jesus which is interesting and then he's um kind of leading people around it's not like the whole band is really it's like almost jared leto's type yeah thing. well and so that's a little weird. yeah and the picture where they're say, all it's a little wearing, egotistical
0: right that's the main point which of is this a whole main
1: thing. cult leader thing right to, so you know, like egomaniac. is he
0: taking this too far and like the pictures of all them wearing white was that one of his sermons apparently is what he calls them um, give it, he like gives a sermon, which I mean, that could be anything.
1: Well, I think like I saw like social media posts of him just like meditate doing a giant group meditation, which, yeah, which we were like, like that, saying so. if we did a big, meet-up, guess, yeah. we would do a big meditation like, cause that'd be super cool. We've talked about that so before guess, doing that at our live shows or something. So does that mean we're a cult?
0: Right, right. You know, so I don't know. You don't group. really
1: necessarily know from the outside, and I I don't think if this was a real cult, they'd be so forward about yeah. it, like and be like, "This is a cult." Right? Blah, blah, Usually, like, cults
0: aren't advertising. Cults don't that. say
1: that they're cults. They they're like, "We're not a cult. we're not a cult." Yeah. So.
0: So he's essentially taking it as like a marketing term. Yeah, and I think he's marketing with kind it. of creating. Yeah, kind of like. Kind and of it's shocking. kind of smart in a sense because cults have really become, I feel like, more popular these days as yeah. far as like people knowing about them Mm -hmm, because of all these documentaries and stuff yeah there's been a major um, uptick in that kind of stuff about colts and i mean it's 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 very interesting because there's a lot of pictures of him you know there's a picture of him where he looks like a like an angel or something he's got like a halo around his head or something Mm -hmm. um others where he's standing up in stage arms outstretched he's like in these crazy get-ups and stuff so i don't know i mean I feel like he's is he definitely changed an, a lot. Is
1: he like using it as an artistic thing though, you know?
0: And is it all for good or is yeah. it for money or things but like that? But that's
1: the thing, right? Is he's charging a lot for this and that's one thing that I definitely am raising my eyebrows at. A thousand dollars.
0: For a meet and greet.
1: But like, you're spending a whole weekend there, right? It's like a whole big thing. I mean, what was it? Wasn't James Charles charging people like 800 bucks to meet him or something or more?
0: Yeah, And that's just James so. Charles.
1: Like, thousand bucks
0: not that bad for it's not horrible to hang
1: out for a whole weekend and like do a vip like you get yeah
0: that's true hang
1: out with them in your own rooms
0: yeah you know like now i think about this more (laughs) it makes more sense because like for example another podcast my favorite murder they do these types of weekends, too, where you go out oh. and you spend, you like pay, yeah, you can end up paying like a thousand dollars or more, oh, but really? that like pays for your weekend yeah. and pays for the hotel, the and food, the, the Right. Lodging, it's your whole the, experience yeah. is what you're paying for. So, yeah. you know, I think the main thing that like the person that wrote this article is trying to insinuate is that Jared Leto's always tried to be this person of, you know, anti greed, very like anti establishment. He's very open and all about love and, you know inclusivity and everything Mm -hmm. and some people like nowadays like the fact that he is calling himself a cult and he's kind of presenting himself as almost like a cult leader in the sense that he's like everybody follow me and everything but you know and if it is
1: just a joke is it almost like disrespectful
0: right well that's my thing is it's almost kind of like he's kind of channeling like a Charles Manson look in a way yeah it kind of is like borderline that and it's like or Jim Jones it's like is that a good thing that he's doing that and he's promoting this cult type But it sounds like they're
1: talking about love. Like if you go and look at the the social media stuff, you can tell it's all like really like love. It's very hippie love the earth type people. Like it's not cultish. I mean, it's hard to say from the outside though. Guess we'll have to go. (laughs) It's I mean it's possible. It's possible it's an actual cult. I just feel like would you be that out about it if it's a real cult?
0: Right, right. I like, I don't it's, think it's anything think it's, to be worried about. I don't think no, anybody's was getting hurt. I think they had people anything.
1: dress up in white one day to look shocking and get some cool ass pictures yeah. and drive some social media.
0: Sure. Which makes sense. I mean, yeah. so
1: more people are going to want to go next time.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Let us know what you guys think um, after looking into this. So before we get into Jim Jones and the People's Temple, we'd like to thank our first sponsors today. So let's begin by talking about Jim Jones a little bit and his background and his history, because it's very important to understand him as a human being to really understand where he goes in life and where he ends up in the end uh, with the people's temple. Um, Don't you think it's pretty important to know his childhood? Um, It'll help make, you know, make everything else make sense more. So Jim Jones was born James Warren Jones, and he was, Born in a small town of Crete, Indiana, on May thirteenth, 1931, his father, Jim Jones Sr., actually had been injured in World War I, and his mother, Lenetta was some 15 years younger than her husband, and their marriage was not a happy one because once he got injured, he wasn't able to do a whole lot, so his mother actually had to do um, a lot of the brunt of the work, actually, Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, when that happens, sometimes, you know, resentment can can uh, sort of be created and things like that. So um, the marriage was not good. So Lynetta never actually wanted to be a mother. Um, The addition of the child to the family only increased the stress on the family because money was tight and it really just created more responsibility than they were willing to handle. And shortly after he was born, Jim, his dad, suffered a complete nervous breakdown. Um, And after this, he was unable to work any longer and money became scarce. Which led to their eviction from their house um, at the family farm.
1: Stressful times. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is right around the Great Depression. Yeah, too. it was. It, was, not it was.
0: So it was very hard to, you know, keep a keep a family going and a farm going and all of that. Mm-hmm. And you know, the homeless family at this point is taken in by Jim's relatives in the small town of Lynn, Indiana. Lynn was a conservative and orderly town with the vast majority of the townspeople being churchgoers. Yep. And the town also what? had a prominent Ku Klux Klan membership.
1: Ooh, not a great place to be folks. No,
0: no. And when they lived there, they lived in a rundown shack that lacked plumbing. Like he grew up in like really, really yes. poor Shit conditions, conditions. Just, yeah. barely
1: getting by pretty
0: much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at the age of six, uh, Jim's mother actually took a job at a factory which this provided him with the freedom before and after school to sort of roam the streets because his yeah. mom was working, so he kind of just got to basically roam around, and do whatever he, he wanted. He even had a bike age. at
1: one point; he would just cruise around in his bike and like talk to a bunch of different people. Like mm-hmm. he was always kind of known as just like the kid that was wandering the streets of that area. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's just kind of that weird kid that had yeah. really nowhere to go. Yeah, and no didn't one really truly belong to anyone, him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and he was a pretty needy child and the the problem was too is that he was terrified of his father um so Mm -hmm. you can imagine a child like this may have had a difficult time to make friends which he did and because of this he did spend a lot of time alone especially reading and boy did he love to read because he read all about stalin marx Mao, gandhi Mm -hmm. hitler um interestingly all these leaders and actually would like pinpoint different strengths and weaknesses for each of them Like he was really obsessed with sort of these different types of leaders in the world. It's kind of both good and bad.
1: Yeah, it was really interesting. He's like he idolized both good and bad leaders, though, like Gandhi's in there, Hitler's in there. Like, how can you idolize the same person? You know, they're so different.
0: Well, I think his main thing was. You know, reading about these rulers, the big thing that grabbed his attention was like they had the fact that they had a following and friends and well friends of followers.
1: He'd like want to be an influencer. Nowadays. Right. Exa- yeah.
0: Exa- yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. I mean, it seems like he just craved that social attention mm-hmm. that he wasn't getting. He was yeah. needy in that sense. Like yep. he wanted to to yep. have friends and socialize, but it just wasn't there. Yeah. It wasn't happening for
1: him. Until he was uh, he was cruising around his neighborhood on his little bike. And he would end up meeting these, like, old ladies in his neighborhood. And these old women were like, oh, let's bring sweet little Jim Jones to church. Because he was just, like, wandering around. They felt bad for the kid. I mean, his mom's working in a factory. Yeah. He's just there. So they brought him to the first church of the Nazarene.
0: Which is really interesting because Mm -hmm. that was actually the church that I grew up in um, and went to predominantly my entire childhood was actually the first church of the Nazarene which I really learned something about the church I went to for like 10 plus years. Um, I never, you know, if you don't go to church and you've never been into religion, you probably don't understand that within Christianity, there's all these denominations. There's all these like different flavors of Christianity yeah, in a sense is really what it is. With but
1: varying levels of strictness and yeah rules exactly and, and
0: they all interpret you know the bible yeah, differently. interpretation yeah right well it was interesting because i never really fully knew this about nazarenes but two of the nazarene beliefs um that set them apart from the other christian denominations and evangelicals is that the belief that a person can experience entire sanctification or personal holiness in this life through baptism which that's interesting oh. which essentially means like you can essentially become reborn as a human being and really get re- like clean yourself clean of all of your slate. sins. Yeah. Like really wipe the slate clean for yourself. So
1: what if you lose your virginity and then you're like, Hmm, oops, I don't, I wish I didn't do that. Can you get baptized? And it's like all erased? Yes. Wow.
0: That's in, and, and when I read this researching for this, it brought back all these memories and really clicked with me. I was like, Oh, that's why they made baptism such a big deal. Yeah. It was a huge deal like you do it in front of the church and like they were always that trying to sense. get me to get baptized And I never did get baptized because I you know I I never was really into it, but I always had this respect for religious uh, People mm-hmm. and the you know sanctity of it and mm-hmm. I didn't want to go get baptized if I didn't truly believe in what I was doing seriously. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And and so I thought it was interesting that baptism is the only way as a Nazarene to become completely sanctified um, That's the other, really interesting. Yeah, I didn't know isn't that. It? And then the other thing is the belief that a saved person can lose their salvation through sin. So I did not know this one at all. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like if you talk about Christianity, you're like, well, a Christian believes that once you, you know, sort of give your life to God and and believe in that he died on the cross for your sins, whatever, that you're kind of good to go and it doesn't yeah. matter what you do. Like you may continue to sin, which you will. Sorry. But does that mean, you know. That you're not gonna, you're gonna go backwards, and a lot of people think that no, once you're saved, you're saved, you're good to go, and you know you ask for forgiveness, and you just, um, you know, you're guaranteed a a place in heaven. But it's interesting that you can actually lose that through sin. So if you continue sinning enough, that you'll actually reverse that. yeah. sort of ticket that you have to heaven. So I don't know. It's just kind of interesting. That is interesting. If you're not religious, you're probably like, what is this? This crap you're talking about? But <laughs> no, anyway, it's interesting
1: to hear about. I think it religion is super interesting. You it really I mean? is a non-religious person. I find it super fascinating to hear about it.
0: It is. It's interesting to talk about like what other people believe and mm-hmm. why and, mm-hmm. and what it actually means. Mm-hmm. So for little Jim Jones, religion was something that really grabbed his attention. In fact, he actually went to five different churches as yeah. a kid.
1: Well, because he didn't have anything going on socially and no type of like family. And then he goes to a church and he's like, oh, these people are family. And he liked the songs that they sang. He liked hymns. Yeah. He liked being part of that.
0: He liked the hymns. um, And he also showed that he had this remarkable uh, memory. Like he was able to recite sermons and quote lengthy biblical verses, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. He really found church appealing. And and I think as somebody that really reads a lot, I could definitely see that and, and kind of relate to that a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. so he really got enthralled with the church because he thought the pastors were super interesting. He saw a lot of correlations there between some of the great leaders and, and whatnot that he read about and, and preachers and pastors and how they are able to captivate an audience's attention. Um, he really found that interesting, but all of this led to, you know, other childhood playmates that recalled him as a really weird kid who was obsessed with religion and death. So his friends and people that he did, you know, interact with really thought he was a weird kid um, just because of what he was into and how obsessed with religion he was. And some of these guys actually alleged that he frequently held funerals for small animals on his parents' property and that he had once stabbed a cat to death. So that's the weird thing about it. That is
1: really weird. Not only for just small animals, like he would literally do it for roadkill. He'd He'd like find dead shit on the street like a crow, yeah, and and give it a funeral. Give it a funeral. So he liked. I actually did an animal funeral though for my fish. I -hmm. invited like a bunch of neighbor kids. Like three (laughs) different neighborhood kids came. Hello, fish funeral. Right,
0: and on that, that, I mean, we sang Amazing Grace. Yeah. Beautiful. Got the bagpipes out. (laughs) Yeah,
1: my mom was like watching from the kitchen window, like filming it. I remember.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She probably was like, "Look at these kids."
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure she wasn't like, "Oh my god, she's gonna start a cult one day." But, but, but yeah, it makes sense doing too. all these funerals to animals. He had no attachment to and just like roadkill, like things that were already dead that he didn't even know when they were alive, yeah. which is so weird.
0: Very weird. It's weird to be doing that at that age, especially so young. Mm-hmm. I get the fascination with like death to mm-hmm. some extent, because if you are really obsessed with religion and stuff, obviously death is a huge part of that. And yeah, and beliefs there. So you probably that had something to do with it. the funeral
1: process, going to heaven, you know? Yeah.
0: Maybe he thought, like, I have to do this in order for them to move on or something. I don't know. I don't know. It's really bizarre. But by the age of nine, Jim was claiming that he had special powers. One day, he climbed on a roof and then called out to everyone to watch him fly. He then jumped from the roof, where he immediately fell to the ground and broke his arm. But he really thought he had, like, powers. The ability to fly. Yeah. Mm.
1: So maybe he had an ego problem maybe
0: from a young age he or just, may have
1: thought he was a little a little bit of a god complex
0: yeah or just yeah it's it really weird it's like
1: he thought he was a special person like he from did. a young age
0: he really did
1: did you ever do anything like that i always thought about it like i was like maybe i should stick my hand into a fan or like jump off this or like maybe i wonder if i could survive if i think hard enough did you ever think like you could do things with your brain or like try to like like Matilda style like move things with your eyes and think mm. you had any powers or you were special in any way? No because
0: I believed in God. Like God had oh. all the power. So maybe so I, I was, was just powerless. like a
1: future cult leader hosting funerals and
0: <laughs> Maybe? Maybe. <laughs> oh my God. That's really wild though cuz yeah. if I guess I see why kids thought he was weird. I mean Yeah. I would I'd be weirded out if I saw a kid doing yeah, that. Yeah, he was and off. And thinking that he had powers. So Jim claimed that his father was associated with the Ku Klux Klan and that he and his father clashed on the issue of race, which this is something that was a major issue for him Mm. uh, early on was the issue of race. And And
1: I think that comes from an anger at his dad. Was he actually as passionate about racial injustice as he was about like proving his dad wrong and going against his dad and like in yeah. your face you know totally. i think that was a huge driving force behind why jim jones decided Took to get up that involved issue. Yeah. in race so totally. much like he made it his totally. thing
0: and, and i think he was smart in that sense that he saw a huge opportunity there yeah and and yeah it makes a lot of sense that he would have used that to sort of in spite of his dad you yeah. know because his dad was so horrible to him and yep. he didn't you know like him and didn't yeah. want a relationship with him? i mean i'm
1: i'm sure he was pretty abusive to him
0: oh i'm sure yeah like he got into it with him at, to the point where he they didn't talk for many many years quote unquote because his dad refused to allow one of his black friends into the house which
1: uh, yeah
0: would make sense so eventually jim's parents separated and they moved where uh, he moved with his mother to richmond And then in December 1948, he graduated from Richmond high school early with honors. So he's clearly book smart. Like he's, he's a great, he's a good reader. He was good at school. So while working in the hospital as a teenager, Jim actually met his future wife, Marceline Baldwin, and the two were married in June, 1949. And despite an extremely difficult marriage, Marceline stayed with Jim until the very end. But, back then together they moved to indianapolis indiana and in indiana marceline found work as a nurse while her husband attended butler university which at this point the couple found themselves living in the heart of ku klux klan country and it was the midst of this redneck country that jim developed a passion for two things racial integration and socialism which these two things were his definitely his
1: selling points Yeah, his elevator speech,
0: his elevator speech. Yeah, he made this these issues his like, you know, main things that he cared about or he said he cared about in Mm -hmm. life. So this is around the time in the spring of 1952 when Jim accepted a position as a student pastor at Somerset Methodist Church. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about the Methodist Church um, or this specific Methodist Church is that. Um, he got introduced to the Pentecostal style. Um, the very animated mm. churches. If you've ever seen a Pentecostal church, it's a very, very interesting. They're very animated. It's like the best word to say. Animated? It. They do some crazy shit. They do a lot of like um, they dress up really differently. Um, there's some Pentecostal churches in Texas that like bring in like Venomous snakes into their services what? and stuff. Oh yeah,
1: I had no idea. Oh, yeah. All I know about them is they like normally have really long hair.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: wear like long clothes. Like, very, the conservative very conservative people for
0: sure. Yeah,
1: I had some friends that were Pentecostal. Well, they mm-hmm. weren't really. I guess I can't say they were my friends, but I knew them in high school. I don't know if they liked me back, but
0: they there's like this like shock value to Pentecostals. Like yeah. when you watch Pentecostals or watch like they look, you like, know them like do from,
1: like. Life on the prairies.
0: Yeah, well, not only that, but just like they do just really wild stuff that most other churches don't do. Interesting.
1: Um, I had never heard of that.
0: And so this really like enticed Jim and he was like, ah, this is the way to attract crowds and people to you is is be very animated and really like grab people's attention. Because that's hmm. the thing about Pentecostals is or you know, or some of them. They, like, not like yell all.
1: during the service. It's a very lively yeah, service. Yeah, it can be very saying. lively. Yeah, ah.
0: yeah. Well, like I said, there's literally Pentecostal churches where they're bringing in venomous creatures in there and <laughs> stuff, and like yelling at them, and and you know, tell them that nothing to be afraid of because the Lord is protecting us. And there's like <laughs> rattlesnakes gets in the sanctuary and stuff. Like, it. yeah, there's there's wild stuff out there on the internet you can watch with Pentecostal churches. And again, not all of them are like that. Just just FYI, because <laughs> I know someone would be like, I went to one and it was nothing like what you're talking about. So back then especially these churches were very animated and one of the things that they do is something called faith healings um, which is like a central part of their services and so jim took note to this um and he realized that you know these types of performances would gather more and more people's attention and so you know he decided that he was going to make this a part of his services that he was doing and before long he was being invited to preach at conventions and assemblies throughout Indiana and in surrounding states. In fact, regular services were held at the Elmwood Temple in Cincinnati, Ohio, Ohio, where he would invite those suffering from ailments to come forward for the laying on of hands. He even traveled as, as far as Los Angeles to participate in a healing convention. This was something that he really, really believed in and really, really used to his advantage to mm-hmm. get people... To join his congregation, join his church, and join yeah, the cause. Get on, yeah, get on the bus with him. <laughs> yeah, literally go. get on the bus. <laughs> yeah, literally get on the bus with him. And by the mid-1950s, Jim Jones was f- filling the churches with his dramatic healing sermons. At each one, he insisted that the audience be completely integrated and that the black members of the congregation sit up front, which made him very popular with yeah. the local black people. Mm-hmm and yeah I mean that it's a great way at this time in history to get people to come to your churches be this white guy that's really open to Mm -hmm. you know integration between whites and blacks yeah so there's actually a clip that I want to play of one of his healing ceremonies it's very it's wild wild oh I love this yeah this This is 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 a very very interesting clip so we'll go and play it
2: Edie fingers are your fingers numb in your right hand. You're lying. Having enormous headaches in your head. Yes. Reach your hands out. Reach your hand out to me. Yes. Reach the fingers out that are bothering you. Now is the pain gone? Did you once lose a loved one? I think the name of James. Yes, that's yes, my brother. He was 14 years of age, and someone, he was reading something, and someone asked him for what he had, and he, re- he didn't want to give it. Yes, he did. That, that person shot him today. Yes, he oh, did. Yes, he did. I'm saying this to give you faith, yes. so that you can mount up because you've been feeling pain here in the chest yes. and in the back yes. and you injured your foot some time ago and yes, you've been having did. constant pain in it, where you had to move around with a chair. Yes, I did. I do not know you and you've told me or no one else the things I just mentioned. No, you true? Now, where's your pain? Second row, you have a bad spinal condition. Yes. And your hip is injured. Yes. Step from your wheelchair. Again, to step from your wheelchair. Try it. Just try it. Just try it. We have nothing to lose. We have no face to lose because we've said we're no panacea. But I have seen more healings here than I've ever seen anyplace. I love you. Jesus Christ loves you. Jehovah Jireh. All the goodness of all the world's great religions, in the name and the mercy and the goodness of Jesus, wherein I stand. Come forth, my dear. Stand up. Take that step. Bless your heart. Take that step. Take that step. Move forward. Move forward. Move forward. Move forward. Move forward. Move forward you can do it. Move forward. Move forward. Child, see how you did to by the way just a moment, sir. I can just keep my leg tall. Now, move forward. freely, freely, freely. Now begin to exercise the hip. Begin to exercise the joint. Christ loves you. The people love you. Now,
0: sister, oh, my, my, you. what, Christ? What? the?
1: <laughs> I cannot believe anyone was buying this shit, seriously. It seems so fake. It does. It's like the worst acting. He's like, are you? <laughs> he just like Burn. wiggles his fingers. Like, you healed? Like... You like, healed? healed? Are you healed yet? And they're like, uh yeah i'm healed the lady that starts running <laughs> with her sword with her leg oh, all messed yeah, up and then yeah. she starts running yeah but then the truth comes out that all these videos are totally faked
0: right right
1: so there were yeah. several examples like for the one of the woman that had the broken leg for example
0: yeah which i don't know if, if we can show that one or not but there is a clip in the documentary, actually. Oh, okay. Of that one, yeah. I might don't know it Might be exclusive
1: to the documentary. You might not be able to show it. But right,
0: but if, if you we want were, to explain it, yeah.
1: Yeah, but anyway, this woman in the crowd, she comes forward. She's got a a cast on her leg, and he's like, "You broke your leg yesterday. Come up here, and we're gonna heal you right now." And then he like puts her leg up on a chair, yeah. a little stool, and he you know waves his hand over the cast, and then he's like, "All right, cut the cast off." And then he's like, okay, now run. Yeah. <laughs>
0: he's like, he's he's like, like get up and bitch. run. And
1: she does. She goes. <laughs> she gets up and runs away. <laughs> She's like, takes off. And it's completely fine. Not even hobbling. So like, mm, a lot of people were like, questioning this, obviously. But a lot of people were like, people wow, this is like, a miracle. This man's a healer. He's a healer. Yeah. Right. He's like a, a yogi or something.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a lot of people believed, believed in these faith healings. If you, Yeah. Um, again, I, we can't stop talking about this documentary, but yeah. it's really that good because yeah. they interview former yeah. members of the People's Temple well, that actually witnessed Well, then one of the people
1: it. who were there ends up telling that they found out that a bunch of these were faked, that these healings were yeah. totally bullshit. He would basically have people act for them. He would tell them what to do, what your symptom's gonna be. And a lot of them were like headaches and stuff that you couldn't see and prove that someone had. But for the broken leg one, that, you know, that gained a lot of traction for him. A lot of people were like, Jim Jones healed someone's broken leg. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that was a big deal, but that turned out to be totally fake because they found out that they actually drugged that girl.
0: That's what's crazy is. Yeah. Drugged, they drugged her. her. Then when she woke up, they told her that she fell and broke her leg. Yeah, so and she they believed already it. put
1: the cast on when, yeah. when she woke up, she was like, Oh, and then when they cut it off, they were like, okay, now run. She was like, okay. And like started running. And there's a massive amount of people cheering and shit.
0: So she probably really thought that he healed her. Possibly. I mean, it seems like a lot of like as weird and faked and staged as it looks to us right now, I think a majority of the people that were following him really really believed in these faith healings that he was doing. And he was really doing like this miracle work, which is just crazy. Yeah. So at this point in time you know he's integrating both african americans and whites together and it's causing a lot of problems because this was a huge issue at the time in indianapolis actually Mm -hmm. so because of this he actually ended up quitting the church that he worked at and then creating his own which at first was called the community unity church which then soon morphed into the wings of deliverance and then it was renamed in 1955 as the people's temple full gospel church and an interesting fact in order to raise money to open his church, his first church in Indianapolis, he was a door-to-door monkey salesman.
1: What the fuck? There's what? actually
0: pictures of him with little baby monkeys.
1: Oh my god, they're cute.
0: I was when I saw this I was like, they're what? They're
1: cute, but that's really Where is he getting
0: monkeys from? Why is from? he
1: holding them by their necks like that?
0: That's like a little concerning. He sold monkeys like to people <laughs> in order to help pay for his first church.
1: Door-to-door monkey salesman. Imagine someone shows up at your door. It's like, hello, sir. I'm just, you know, doing some fundraising. I wonder if you'd like to buy a monkey. For my church. Dude, where the hell did these people get these monkeys from?
0: That's what I'm wondering. I plucked
1: them right out of the wild. This was probably some illegal shit. Yeah,
0: totally. You cannot
1: sell monkeys door-to-door. What is this? Especially
0: back then, I'm sure these Jeez, types of animals 1955
1: are. was a wild time, apparently. Imagine if someone just showed up with a monkey at the door. I couldn't say no. I would have like eight monkeys by now if that happened. Seriously, If like Girl Scouts sold monkeys, I'd get one every year. (laughs) It'd be fucked. My house would be so trashed.
0: Talk about a real zoo, huh? Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, I thought that was really interesting that he was a monkey salesman. That's
1: bizarre. I had never heard that before. Out of all the
0: things, a monkey salesman. (laughs) That's
1: really funny.
0: And this led to the birth of the People's Temple. Mm -hmm. And from the start of the People's Temple, they grew and drew large crowds of both black and white parishioners and the healing dramas were still the highlight of every sermon but jim's prime concern appeared to be building a truly racially integrated ministry which the sort of the debate is is like was he really trying to sort of fight for the injustice that was this racial divide in america like it to me it does seem like he did care about this and it you know like you we mentioned earlier was it just to be in spite of his dad i think that there was probably some good you know intentions there maybe to some I mean, extent because why would you go through all the if you're truly just like a cult leader you know essentially because you why need an you
1: angle he realized it's that every cover. single let's think about those leaders for a second hitler stalin gandhi all of them have had like a mission or something sure. that they've made their thing and he know he knew if you got it if you want people to get behind sure. you you have to figure out what you want to stand for so that people can stand behind you.
0: So you think it was purely superficial? I and think he maybe just it
1: started two-faced? with anger towards his dad. I don't think he's like a secret racist or anything. I mean, I think well he that's probably the thing was like, generally like not
0: not a racist. No, he liked, no, no, no. He liked both. I think
1: he yeah definitely liked everybody. I don't think he like had a thing, but I think he made it his thing because his dad was this racist dude and it was like a way to get back at him. And then he like kind of made it his thing. And then yeah. eventually he just used it as a tool. Like he, I think used, you know, racial issues as a tool for him to propel himself into success and get more followers, more people getting on board because this was a time where yeah. tons of people were Seize getting on board. Opportunity. And, yeah, exactly. Like what are people heated about right now? Right. Yeah. Right. Like if you wanted to start a cult right now, maybe you'd start it for like, Global warming stuff, <laughs> you know, because that's what people are really concerned about. Right tree that's huggers. a big issue. Or like guns or I don't know. something Yeah. 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 Like that. No, but, I know um, what you mean.
0: Like a social issue. And yeah. Then turn it into something Back an organized.
1: Then, that was a huge, huge thing. And he was like, I'm going to take this and, you know, use it to my advantage to get more following. Yeah. I don't think he was as like passionate. I don't think it's his driving force. I think followers were his driving force.
0: Right. He wasn't like trying people. to end the racial divide no. or really like push. I don't think like he was Martin like Luther Ma- King Martin status. Luther King passionate. Yeah, yeah. No, sure.
1: I wouldn't put them in the same, not even in the same book, you know? No,
0: like, absolutely not. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, no. He used it to get people to follow him. And what was crazy about Jim Jones is he ends up having this big family, which I'm sure we'll talk about it later, yeah. his rainbow family. Yeah. And people question whether or not he... Even really wanted to have all of these kids. He had all these kids of different races and he called them the rainbow family. But the kids in the family, they do interviews in this documentary where they're like, you know, I don't know if he...
0: It was kind of for show. Yeah. Like was he, it
1: really... How much did he really want to have this... Like, if he didn't have all the followers, would he still have adopted all these right, kids?
0: Right, right. That's the Did he take
1: question. being a father to these kids as seriously as he should... Or were they a tool for him? Were they a way for him to say, like, "Look at me, I'm such a good guy. Follow yeah, me."
0: Right. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think you're making really good points there, and like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to see the good that could that's potentially there, the little bit of good that's potentially there at the beginning. I think it probably was um, there in
1: the beginning. Yeah. And, Before he was in drugs and stuff, which we'll talk about. Yeah, as
0: well. yeah. And I think you know because. In order to make it and really grow an audience, you got to be authentic to some degree. Right. You can't be a total poser. Yeah. You know, I mean, I guess you can. But to really grow the audience and and have people follow you, people got to really believe you're in it for the right reasons, you know. Yeah. And these aren't bad people that are following him or going to his church. These no. are these are very good, normal people Yes, that are, you know, they're not. He right. was
1: able to trick a lot of people.
0: Right. So that's where it's so confusing. A lot confusing of really good and, people. And why, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to say exactly what his intentions were. And maybe they changed over time.
1: I think they changed over time. I mean, you can tell by the end. If he really yeah. cared about those right. people, this wouldn't end up this way, which we'll yeah. get to. Well, yeah, I mean. Not to give anything away, but those who
0: know. Money and everything else so like for example in like 1960 the mayor of indianapolis actually uh sort of like awarded him that he was like this you know great individual he got put on tv and Mm -hmm. radio programs and that he was like really doing this good thing for the civil rights movement and you know really putting a lot of effort into the community and stuff like he was he became pretty well known like people um really knew who he was because he started getting more media attention and stuff. And he would say things like, let my people go. Like he, he really took a lot from like Martin Luther King. I feel like, and, and and leaders like that um, in the civil rights movement, because he spoke a lot like them. Uh, You know, there's a lot of clips of him talking like, Martin Luther King would very authoritative and almost
1: to where he sounds like he's mimicking him at times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it does. Like It's totally inspired at times by him.
0: It does. It really does. I mean,
1: how could it not? Like, obviously if you were going to be, try to be a civil rights activist, you're going to follow the civil rights activist. You're going to look up. You're going to try to model
0: yourself after the great Martin Luther King. He
1: totally did, Mm -hmm. but he took it so much further.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So like, during this time and in this area that he was in with his first church there was a lot of white run churches and businesses which were extremely critical of jim yeah Um, and he actually received a lot of different threats and at one point a nazi swastika was painted on the wall of the church building and a dead cat was tossed at his house so he was you know and and he was definitely getting a lot of shit too for for what he was doing Mm -hmm. um there's a
1: lot of racist people not that there's not today it's plenty still alive today but yeah a lot of racism back then
0: yeah definitely i mean you're going to like a whole town a lot and... of
1: hate crime yeah they would do crazy shit like sure, that. sure
0: sure so throughout the 1960s jim and marceline jones adopted several children of at least partial non-caucasian ancestry which kendall talked about which he referred to as quote-unquote rainbow family yep so they actually adopted three children of korean-american ancestry lou suzanne and stephanie and in an attempt to extend the Rainbow Family, he also encouraged members of his congregation to uh, essentially adopt from war-torn countries with refugees and things like that. So which is he, all great. Yeah, like, which these is are all great. good
1: things to encourage people to do. Not mm-hmm. everything Jim Jones did was cultish or no, evil or like evil. In, yeah, like behind it, you know? right? Totally. He had Especially some good in intentions. Yeah, definitely in the beginning
0: yeah and in nineteen fifty four him and his wife actually adopted Agnes Jones, who was partly Native American descent, so you know these are all good things, and he's promoting that and he actually you know rainbow family was a term to describe the whole people's temple in a sense, this rainbow family, yeah because of the same idea of all these different races and backgrounds yeah. and things like that all coming together we are the world, yeah, coming together yeah. exactly now this is where things start to kind of get a little weird, so Jim Jones became obsessed with this prospect of nuclear holocaust. Yeah. And in September 1961, he announced to his members that he had a prophetic dream in which the entire American Midwest had been destroyed in a nuclear holocaust.
1: This is also around the time that he started getting into drugs as well. Yeah. So, I think he was getting some paranoia as a side effect.
0: Or just some crazy dreams as a side effect, which drugs will do that to you. (laughs) Yes, it will. They'll give you some wild dreams. Because, like, nuclear holocaust, that's pretty fucking severe. That's like some apocalyptic shit, man. Yeah. So, you know, where is that coming from?
1: I mean, but normally you dream about things you think about. He was probably thinking about it, too, or had heard someone talking about it. Mm -hmm. Didn't Hitler talk about nuclear holocaust?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, Hitler talked about a lot of crazy shit. Right. But. It could have been it could have been something that he yeah it, it could have been something that he had thought about or knew about prior to this dream yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting that he kind of referred to himself as like he this may prophet. not have even had
1: a dream, dude. He could have just went to people and was like, "Hey, I'm a prophet, and I had a dream, so it's coming true." It's right. To scare people. Right.
0: That's true. So he actually ended up moving his family to Brazil for two years, and during this time his distrust and personal hatred towards the United States government intensified. Mm-hmm. He was convinced that American political and economic self-interest had brought the world to the brink of destruction. Which it's is like a, in some ways, which, yeah. Which I mean in some Fair ways. Enough.
1: True it's, that. <laughs>
0: yeah, there's definitely a bit of truth to that. Um, but again, like he always takes want it too anger, far. Like
1: take you over. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So when the Jones family actually returned to Indianapolis in December 1963, Jim immediately made plans to move his church, um, and all of his members were patiently awaiting his return, and they decided to move to Northern California. So in the summer of 1964, the family, along with about 140 church members, moved to the town of Ukiah in the Redwood Valley area above San Francisco. Pretty close to bohemian grove
1: yeah
0: <laughs> interesting that he went to the redwoods huh? yeah
1: that is interesting because it's quiet yeah secret
0: it is it's a great place to have like some secret yeah shit going on
1: we talked about that last week if you missed it mm-hmm. definitely go check it out that's a good episode i feel like it was really interesting to it is about bohemian
0: that. grove is really interesting it is so over the next few months he held church services and rented out church buildings and then on the ranch at ridgewood which they built and throughout the week during this time, Jim actually worked as a high school teacher. Can you imagine him as a high school teacher?
1: Yes, though so because high school teachers can be very preachy. Have you ever had a high school teacher who was like really into hearing themselves talk? Oh yeah. And you're just like, all right, dude, you're living your dream, <laughs> yeah, preaching to us yeah. and pretending it's like the Tell, yeah. dead poet society.
0: <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm trying to remember. I've had a few. Can you like imagine
1: how annoying he would be in class? He'd like probably make. He'd it probably all go on and on and, and on and on and on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, after three years of steadily building up his membership, the People's Temple was granted official standing by the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, Northern California region in 1968. And then the following February, the People's Temple Redwood Valley Complex was opened. So, he created like this almost like little compound, uh, which had the Jones home on it, a swimming pool, child care center, old folks' homes, and a temple meeting place and a ranch. So, they built this whole little almost like little yeah. society way out in the middle of the redwood valley. Yep,
1: yep. it was like 1.0. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or <laughs> I guess. 1.0. <laughs> I was like I guess it's like the first version. <laughs> it is. It's, 1. it's 1. like 0. <laughs>
0: Jonestown.
1: Yeah. 1.0 version.
0: <laughs> the first go at Jonestown. Well, yeah. it really is. I mean, yeah. that's what he he was like, "Okay, well, let's see if we can build what I envision the People's Temple being in America. Make it a family. Um, Yeah. And this was actually when he began his first affair, which this had a huge effect on his immediate family, Mm -hmm. um, his affairs. So in 1968, he began an affair with a woman named Carolyn Layton. And he also had many other mistresses during the 1970s. So he was messing around with everybody, it seems like.
1: Oh, I'm sure there were many more.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm sure like just by the way he is and kind of how he presents himself like women were attracted to him Mm -hmm. because he's like kind of this powerful figure. He's got everybody's attention. He's a healer. Like he's doing all this crazy shit. So I'm sure women were kind of like swooning over him quite a bit.
1: Yeah. And there's even some rumor that he may have had sex with men as well. Yeah. With male
0: followers. Interesting that he may most likely was bisexual, Mm -hmm. but obviously he tend to lean towards more often Mm -hmm. so there's just like some interesting pictures of of the family standing out in front of it it just reminds me of like the summer camp like a church summer camp that they built like boy scout and everything it's like definitely very california Mm -hmm. kind of like this rustic environment out there and of course they made this completely integrated so all races and backgrounds welcome and yeah They were in an area that was strictly segregated, actually, in the Redwood Valley. This is kind of a rural area. The area, other than this little um, ranch that they built, was completely segregated. Mm -hmm. And then within a year, what they would do is they would expand their membership into San Francisco, actually. Um and they actually went and purchased Greyhound buses
1: like a shit ton yeah. like a fleet of buses. Like, How did he
0: fund this? That's what I'm always wondering. I'm like, where How did Jim did he get fund all this money?
1: That many buses. Like the documentary showed them. I had never seen them like actually driving. They he would, had
0: a deep bank. He had a. They
1: had a whole crew. They were like a circus traveling around. Even more than that,
0: they had like five or six Greyhound buses. Yep dedicated to the people's temple
1: and they kept them somewhat empty so that as they drove they could pick random people up and try to get them to join the church and just hop on the bus they
0: do like these little like tours and they go through different cities and then they would Mm -hmm. get out and talk to people about people's temple and then they would convince people just hey drop everything you're doing and hop on board let's go go back to the ranch spreading the word yeah exactly the money thing is very interesting, though, because I wonder if there's anybody that's dug into his finances. Like, yeah. Does oh, anybody sure. understand the the Jim Jones finances? Because sure. unless he had some like really rich members, which maybe he did.
1: Yeah, they could have actually. Yeah, that's probably what I it mean, was. I mean, he probably picked probably up some donors. wealthy donors. Yeah, totally could have. He obviously had some type of capital. I mean, he came from this poor family. It wasn't family money or something he had. No. He didn't have a
0: job. He was a high school teacher and stuff. Like, well, yeah. What?
1: I mean, but he didn't have like a big
0: job. Right, he wasn't ever like CEO You didn't have a job that could pay
1: a, for this many buses.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it's like where is all this money coming from? Yeah. I mean, he's got a decent amount of followers, but still. So they would yeah, hop on these buses, go around and and try to win new converts and bring him back to the Redwood Valley Ranch. So, this is about time when shit starts to get real. But before we talk about that, we'd like to thank our last sponsors for today.
1: All right, we are back. So the People's Temple was really starting to gain rapid expansion during the 1970s. However, it was also during this time that the church received its first negative bit of media
0: coverage. Yeah. So a series of articles actually appeared in the San Francisco Examiner, which profiled the church and painted Jim Jones as a false messiah who had claimed to bring 43 people back from the dead. And it also started shining a light on this crazy power structure that he created in the church with him at the top and the examiner articles also drew interest of other media outlets and from then on jim came to view the media as his enemy and an agent of the devil of course
1: like many others
0: because you know they're trying to you know spill the the tea on on the people's Mm -hmm. temple and he did not like that Mm -hmm. he wanted to continue doing what he was doing and not have his you know, image be painted in yeah. any other way than he wanted. What he wanted his image to be
1: in his own hands.
0: Yeah, exactly. And one of the things he absolutely hated was defectors. Um, and things got really bad for him in 1973 because eight prominent members of the People's Temple defected. Um, And because of this, stories emerged of financial abuse, mind control, and tax evasion.
1: So if you don't know what defected means, it means you like went rogue, you know. Right.
0: Well, you just essentially leave the group, leave the cult. This is crazy, though, because his response to all this pressure that the church was getting by the media and by defectors was this idea of a mass suicide or revolutionary suicide. This was actually Mm -hmm. when he first proposed this idea. And of course... Everybody was like, what the hell? This is super drastic. Like, yeah. why the hell would you, yep. you know, even bring this up? And, and you know, ultimately at this point in time, this was just sort of an empty threat. But yeah. it was obviously something in his mind, which is interesting that but he had already thought it was about even the there, yep. the which I'm sure he got this from some of these leaders that he used to read about and stuff, probably, because I'm sure probably. if you read into them and read into like Hitler stuff and things like that, they yeah. talk about things Maybe. like revolutionary uh, suicide. So. Very interesting. So now we get into Jonestown. So during the summer of 1973, Jim Jones made the decision to relocate the People's Temple to the South American country of Guyana. And the reason for this is because of all of the shit he was getting back in the U.S., mm-hmm. and he really felt like there was just no way possible for him to, you know, continue growing his church there without having. You know the media and defectors, and, and potentially risking more defectors, even yeah, and just people up his ass about everything, and questioning him and investigating him. Because um, I mean, ultimately, who knows what would have happened if the People's Temple had stayed mm-hmm. in the U.S. as opposed to moving to Guyana? And
1: yep, it's private out there. He had a lot of trees around him. Yes, it's like a jungle. It's
0: a jungle down there, and it's actually the only South American country to speak English, actually, which is interesting, and. Two months later, he visited the country in order to open negotiations to purchase 27,000 acres of land in the Matthew Ridge area near the Venezuelan border. And the Guyanese Cooperative Republic was a socialist country. And for Jim, who had passed through on his return trip from Brazil in 1963, it was an ideal place to establish his quote unquote promised land. Yep. Which makes sense. And he was obsessed with this idea of socialism because socialism you know, at his roots is like everybody, you know, is, is equal. equal and, but there's always somebody in, you know, in charge overseeing all of it too. Mm-hmm. And he saw himself as that and his members as like everybody working for a, the common cause. The cause you know? Yeah, exactly. So the first people's temple members arrived in Guyana in March, 1974 to begin the extraordinary task of clearing the jungle and breaking ground for construction on what was to become Jonestown. So, a lot of these people that went down there initially to build Jonestown, including his sons, like his sons went down there and, and participated yep. in the construction. Mm-hmm. And they said that this was actually like a time in their life that they remember as being one of the happiest times because it was, yeah. you know, as they were building, it was kind of like they he could, was
1: like living his dream.
0: Yeah. And, and not just him but his sons even said that like yeah. it was enjoyable and like yeah everybody was kind well, of Well, they're in,
1: seeing their dad live they were all kind of in on jim's dream though you know yeah they're all kind of part of the cause and right believed totally, in it, totally. you know?
0: well they really think they really believe that they're building this promised land in guyana like yeah. jonestown would be this like saving refuge for a lot and of yeah, yeah and just this wonderful place to live so a year later there were 50s uh 50 people's temples pioneers in guyana And day and night, they work to construct buildings and establish a massive agricultural project. Because not only are they building all these structures, which is honestly pretty impressive if you think about yeah. it too the amount of work that they did do and what they yep. built is actually really impressive
1: and fast and fast but that's because they worked insane amounts yeah, of hours yeah. like they were it
0: was really working bad actually
1: tons and tons and tons and not even getting paid for it they had like a little bit
0: of an allowance but and there was like little to no food and yep. the conditions were horrible not great. conditions because i mean you're li- they were literally out in the middle of nowhere nothing yep. around them the closest imagine civilization the was
1: imagine how hot oh yeah so oh, hot it must down there. shitty humid. out there. Yeah, it must they're have all been just crazy like wandering around the jungle, jungle like much. Sit, trying to build a little town.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but eventually they did. In 1977, Jonestown was an established community, but things were getting worse back in California on Memorial Day, 1977. Along with 600 congregation members, Jim Jones made an appearance at a commemoration for suicides who had jumped off the San Francisco's golden gate bridge. And in his speech that day, he declared quote unquote, I have been in a suicidal mood myself today. So I have personal empathy for what we are doing here today. Interesting. <laughs> Suicide was like something that was like on his mind a lot. It seems yeah. like he, and the fact that he went and did this speech for this particular event is also interesting. It is. And at this point, there was renewed pressure on the church from the American media. And on August 1st, 1977, an article appeared in New West magazine that alleged that members had been beaten mm-hmm. and the church was prevalent with financial misdealings and that Jim Jones was nothing more than a charlatan.
1: These things were true. There was a lot of truth to these articles. I mean, there were, I'm sure there was a lot of rumor as well. Well, yeah. But some of this was true.
0: Yeah. And he's and, accused
1: of drugging people and beating people. He's accused of all of this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And actually in that documentary, the some of the former members who had actually been, he had this group, uh, this committee almost that was kind of the most prominent members of the church all got together and they sat in a circle, remember? And yeah. and they would sort of spy on members. Like they would literally mm-hmm. yep. tell him like who could be a possible defector? Like who do you got to worry about? This sounds like Scientology. Good. It does. There's a lot of parallels between jim jones and scientology yeah. and hubbard and all that so it's very interesting it that is. he did that yeah and and what would happen is is like people would get their asses beat like yeah if you like if you fucked up or didn't do what they told you to do or you know did said anything wrong or you yeah. know to the media or anything like that you would literally get beaten in yeah. in these meetings that they had so all of these things that are coming out are unfortunately true right and Jim people
1: that are like fuck this I've had enough and they leave
0: yeah and I think the pressure was really on from you know Probably the authorities too are starting to kind of like look into it a little bit and stuff mm-hmm. But especially the media start trying to expose Jim uh, for a fraud But by the time that the article actually hit the newsstands Jim was already in Guyana and by September There were more than a thousand people's temples members in Guyana with only about 50 or so left back in the states it's crazy like when else in history has like a group done something like this. This yeah. is just like such a crazy thing to do.
1: I know. This is truly one of the craziest parts of American history. Like, I can't
0: even imagine like today like if someone's like, "All right, we're moving everybody to the middle of the jungle."
1: Well, I guess that's why people like, you know, they raise an eyebrow at at Jared Leto and what he's
0: doing. Yeah, exactly. Because it's, it's like, like
1: you never know is was Jim Jones just having a fun camp out in the forest? Like that's kinda how it looked, was like, oh, he's just like this socially this, woke like, guy and he like wants freedom, so he like they move out there and you know, people didn't know it was gonna be live. to the extent that it was or what was going on behind the scenes. So yeah. like in that regard, I mean, people do have every right to be a little alarmed by Jared Leto for sure and yeah, what they're doing.
0: Yeah. Well, I think you gotta start you start questioning their true intentions. Yeah. Because it is kind of like yeah. beyond the social norm right. for, for this type of of person and and like i said is
1: it kind of disrespectful to like
0: well, almost make
1: light of this this was so horrible I it's mean, kind this of ruined glorifying. lives for generations
0: i feel like it's kind of glorifying this cultish behavior, behavior. and, and mm-hmm. lifestyle to an yeah. extent like
1: if you're just doing it for show
0: and yeah. calling yourself a cult and stuff like i don't know
1: yeah it's a little it's definitely odd
0: it's definitely questionable so this sudden influx of people placed severe strain on the facilities at Jonestown, because like there was nothing. So yeah. what they built was very minimum and there wasn't enough facilities for everybody there. But members enthusiastically pitched in to extend the village in order to accommodate the demand. Like people were die hard for this, were like all about this promised land in Jonestown, and they were willing to put in mm-hmm. the hard, hard labor. Yep that it took in order to build they believed in this
1: dream it was a big group dream
0: yeah because i mean if you think about it like a lot of the members of of people's temple are african-american and Mm -hmm. the united states wasn't exactly like a super friendly place for them no not um, at this point in time so
1: there's still issues today for sure but
0: but i'm sure they thought that yeah and i i really feel like these people thought there's a real opportunity to just live freely Mm -hmm. in jonestown
1: and build a new culture and Build you know, a, a lot society. of people were like, you know, I want to raise my kids in this cool, hippie communal new thing that he has going on. Yeah. Like people literally decided to raise their whole families. Yeah. And that Jonestown. you brought
0: up a, you brought up an interesting point, this whole idea of communal living. This was something that that Jim Jones put into place. Like people thought yeah. when they first went down there that they were everybody's gonna get like their own little hut and own little house and like Really, be truly free and a yeah. part of this community. But what they soon realized when they got there is that this is going to be way more controlled than that.
1: Yeah, you can bump, bunk up.
0: <laughs> yeah, bunk up. Like they would put, I think, like a ridiculous number of people into one of these little houses. Like twelve yeah. people would be in a house for like four. Uh-huh. So people were sleeping on mattresses on the ground. Like this was not
1: no <laughs> luxury living by no. any means. This was down like there. the original fire fest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Literally, yeah, yeah. So, you know, but he would always reassure people, this is for the common cause, this is for the good of all of us. You don't need, remember, he'd be like, you don't need any of these things, all of these like luxuries and comforts of, of old, like you got to let all that go because you got to focus on the mission. How you can only be free is if you like truly let go of all
1: your belongings and the whole spiel. Yep.
0: Yeah. And yeah, despite all of the harsh conditions and the hard work, people appeared in the first couple months, at least to be genuinely happy. Like there's clips of people, like they do oh, their yeah. services, they have music dancing, and dancing, playing
1: games. Yeah. Like the kids are running through it. Like it was That's fun. What's crazy.
0: There's kids everywhere too. Yeah.
1: There's kids everywhere. There been like 300 kids there. Like yeah. there's a lot of kids. A lot of there. kids. And they were like, you know, trying to teach them while they were there and stuff as well. Yeah. And trying to build this whole community. Mm hmm. It was really ballsy, honestly, to be like, "All right, let's all go to Guyana." It really like, it's is. really crazy to move that many people. Like, when else has this happened?
0: Just get up and leave your home country yeah. and go to some He's middle of a nowhere place. A lot place. of people to do it. It just shows you how much control he had. It's crazy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He really had control over these people. Yep. But back in California, former members began a planned attack on the People's Temple. A woman who had borne a child to Jim Jones sued for custody of the child, which was living at Jonestown, and Jim refused to even consider giving up the child, declaring that any attempt to take the child would put the life of every member of the People's Temple in jeopardy. Wow! But still, other defectors who had left children behind also sued for custody. So, like family, Scientology is what this reminds me of. Is that there's people. That defected from Scientology that have kids Their and family still members in still it. in it. Yep, it's crazy. It's really sad. And people say Scientology is not a cult. It's like,
1: oh come on.
0: What? It's come crazy on. though. Scientology just blows my mind though because it's know. like we have a whole podcast. On oh it if you god, don't yeah know, I know about it. We don't need to go. I have a that. video
1: on it as well. Pick your poison. Watch them sometime.
0: <laughs> or do both. So back at home, the defectors were really causing a lot of problems. In fact, um, a declaration of human rights violations committed by the people's temple was issued by defectors to the media and it included the assertion that rehearsals for mass suicide often took place at the people's temple and i wonder if that's true or not because i wouldn't be surprised if it was Mm -hmm. i mean it was certainly something that was talked about clearly but they were like trying to you know raise warning signs that this is bad like this crazy guy is is doing these crazy things with all these people like this is something we should be uh, you know warning people about and concerned about and actually a committee of concerned relatives claimed that jonestown was little more than a concentration camp with armed guards constantly patrolling and the residents continually subjected to brainwashing forced labor and sleep deprivation it's
1: crazy they were
0: which yeah was really true and jones control over his members became extreme it was apparent to many that there was no escape from jim's control and this control was leveraged in part by his use of mind-altering drugs Mm -hmm. to manage his followers. Mm -hmm. According to the New York Times, he had stockpiled was administering a Quaaludes, Demerol, Valium, Morphine, and 11,000 doses of Thorazine, a drug used to calm people with extreme mental problems.
1: Dude, he was using so many drugs, and that was one of the reasons he was always wearing sunglasses. He didn't want anyone to see his eyes.
0: Well, he was giving the people these d- drugs, too.
1: Yeah, I know. But he was taking them but he as well. Was,
0: yeah, he was definitely taking them.
1: Yeah, he was taking them the most. And he was taking them for a long time.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it seems like he knew that eventually he would have to do something really drastic to keep people Radical. in Guyana. Especially well, as the conditions are starting to get did. worse.
1: He even did. He staged this whole thing where... He had someone like pretend to shoot at him,
0: yeah, and pretended that a, he
1: got shot.
0: That was even prior to Jonestown.
1: Yeah, but that's I know, but it it's just an shows. example of yeah how much he was trying to. He was willing to go to get people's control.
0: Yeah, he was willing to go as far as you can go.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, that I was gonna say, just finish that thought of he did like they are having this outdoor. Yeah. Uh, sort of after church service, you know, get together potluck type thing, yeah. and then he had somebody like show up with a gun and like shoot a blank at him, yeah. and like yeah, he like had blood and everything, and then healed yeah, himself. Blood. Healed himself.
1: Yeah, healed himself. <laughs> such a and people believed
0: it, and honestly, that was like a yeah, kind of was what really convinced people to follow him. Some people, at least. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's just crazy. So, the living conditions were horrible, the work hours were long, and these mind altering drug- drugs changed Jones for the worse. So, obviously, defectors are raising the flag, you know, the warning flags, the warning signs, and attempts were made to pressure Congress to establish an official investigation of Jonestown. And the challenge was taken up by Congressman Leo Ryan, representing the San Mateo District of Northern California. And Congressman Ryan determined that a fact-finding mission to Jonestown was necessary in order to find out firsthand what was going on there, which, you know, it's interesting that like a congressman was sent there. Why wasn't the FBI sent there?
1: Well, he he wasn't sent there. He just decided to go.
0: Yeah. No, I know he decided to go, but it's like, if you're him (laughs) and you're hearing all these crazy things, I'm sure he heard the reports that they're like... He thought
1: he could be like level with them and talk to them and stuff. He had a lot of confidence. I mean, did he have any idea what the fuck was going on? Well, that's what I'm like, saying
0: is like, if you're hearing reports that this is like a concentration camp with armed guards and people are being held against their will, don't you think he would have brought like some backups, some reinforcements, some protection? Well, he had
1: some people with him.
0: He did, but he never had like really good protection. Yeah. Like you would think if you're a congressman in the United States of America, I know. you'd at least get a couple secret. This was secret- a different time though, too. It's true. It's true. I mean, people weren't as like it's the cautious. 70s, Yeah. Yeah, he probably honestly thought, like, let me go talk to this pastor, this preacher. Yeah. You know? Yeah,
1: let me go shoot the shit with him and see what's really going on down yeah, there.
0: Yeah. And that's exactly what he did uh, with a group of reporters and relatives. Apparently, he flew into the airport at nearby Georgetown on November 15, 1978.
1: Tiny little plane.
0: hmm. And then once they got to Georgetown, they uh, flew to the airstrip at uh, Kaituma and they were driven by a limousine into the jungle towards Jonestown. And of course, Jim Jones had been preparing the temple members for the congressman's visit for weeks. Yep. And every member knew that guards were watching their every move. You have because, to, yeah.
1: you know, really put on the show.
0: Make Definitely. it look like you're
1: having a great time. Nothing sketchy's going on here.
0: It reminds me of that scene move from along. Get Out. Remember how every like everybody's um acting like Oh, way. like yeah. the guys well, they're are, all brainwashed, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 It just I don't know made me think of that because <laughs> like everybody has to be like really you know reserved and just like say exactly the right things you know they can't you can't go out and say anything crazy about what's actually going on there yeah or your you know your life might be in jeopardy so yeah because they wanted to portray this like utopian society it's this great place it's the promised land you know like hmm Nothing Nothing bad goes on here. And they would actually do uh, role plays were conducted in which the members were told exactly what to say when spoken to by reporters and any signs of dissatisfaction would be harshly dealt with away from the visitors. And the congressman was warmly welcomed and a reception was held the first night. Congressman Ryan seemed genuinely impressed with the organization and the order that he saw. But late into the night, one of the reporters had come along with him was secretly passed a note from a man in the crowd. And it basically said he wanted to leave with Congressman Ryan. What's really interesting is that documentary actually had the individual who passed the note. And he remembers when he passed it, he like stuck it into the armpit of the of, of the guy, of one of the reporters, and mm-hmm. it fell out oh of his God, armpit. He and he's like heart dropped. Bricks. Yeah, he was shitting bricks. Crazy, crazy. And then the next morning, the reporter showed the note to the congressman. And Ryan brought up the issue with Jim here. And that's what, like, what? If you get past a note, why would you just, like, confront Jim? Yeah, It just, I don't know, it seems a little irresponsible. But Congressman Ryan literally asked Jim, like, flat out. He's like, what do you think about this note? Why is yeah. this person saying they want to leave with me? Are they yeah. being held against their will? What's the deal here, Jim, essentially? Oh,
1: my God. And the guy who wrote it is like, oh.
0: He's, he's shitting bricks because he's like, oh, my God. Yeah. What is he going to do to me? and and this re- this was kind of like one of the big turning points of this whole thing and the suspicion being raised to the next level because yeah why is this guy like begging to leave with him and yeah you know if everything's so good down in jonestown um and yeah and this and jim jones was like well he can leave if he wants like go it yeah. just was like straight up like trying yeah, to like, play if it you off feel like, that way then no go. big deal like go take take your kid yeah. and go like yeah, we're not no one's being held here. here yeah
1: meanwhile other people are looking around like wait so he can leave can we all leave then mm-hmm. i mean of course there was like a lot of people that wanted to stay there were like diehard people until the end i'm sure right. literally diehard people yeah but you know i think a lot of people were really starting to get fed up and freaked out and worried about their situation
0: yeah well and like because of this and after talking with with jim congressman ryan was like okay well if that's the case jim then Hey, if anybody else out here wants to, you know, yeah. doesn't want okay. to be here anymore, like so you can come home with come us on, or whatever, you know, no big deal. And over the weekend, more people came forward. And then on the afternoon of the second day of a vi- of the visit, a people's timber, Tempor- a people's temple member lunged at Congressman Ryan with a knife. Yep. Stopped him. Somebody literally was going to try to cut the throat of the congressman. It's crazy. And. This event just completely freaked everybody out and especially the visitors because they're like, What the hell? Now they're trying to kill yeah. us. Like, yeah, what the fuck's this, this going on? It's crazy. We got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Something's not right here. Like, this is becoming a dangerous situation. Yeah. So, on November 18th, 1978, the congressman's party left with 14 people's temple members with them. And
1: Which, I mean, Jim is trying to act like this is completely fine. Yeah, like no Whatever, big deal. Whatever, you go. go but it. meanwhile, he's like, Fuck. Yeah, no, I can't lose 15 people like 14 people they're all gonna go back and talk shit about me and, they're
0: gonna spill all yep. the shit because by this yep. point, and they're
1: already with the congress people yeah. like oh yeah. he's he's thinking like oh
0: fuck. they're gonna There's shut a, our stuff down yep. is what he would There's tell a everybody. lot
1: of shit that he did wrong and
0: well the drugs and all there the, could have been some sexual shit some yeah. abuse drugs. there was some shit happening it was yeah. bad there it got it was really bad, bad.
1: And he, I mean, he was trying to hide all that from them. I mean, he was making them all act. So when 14 of them are leaving with them, obviously it's going to send you into a tailspin. And so he starts panicking. Waking
0: out, absolutely.
1: So he decides that this is like, this is it. Mm -hmm. This is the big moment for Jim.
0: This was, this was a major, major decision that ultimately leads to the demise of the people's temple. So what happens is that, the congressman and the 14 people's temple members, they get into trucks and they drive back to the airstrip because they're like, all right, we're going to get on the fucking plane and get the hell out of Dodge and, and get back to America. And they're
1: just about to do that. They're literally walking onto the plane. Yeah. When a bunch of people's temple members come up behind them, armed, armed and start shooting at them.
0: Yeah. It's crazy. Like the footage of it's just insane. Like they're, yeah literally about to board the airplane like they got their bat, they're like about to hop on and then Mm -hmm. this tractor and trailer pull up and these guys just hop out and they're like they're not sure like what the hell's going on then all of a sudden they just just start start shooting shooting.
1: and it was so like unplanned and last minute like i'm sure jim was like pacing around like fuck there's 14 people well he
0: realized he was like Like,
1: he's like we're screwed like go get them just go get them like he could have been on drugs making these decisions like last minute like Oh my God! Just go kill them yeah. and ordered his people. And there were people that would do anything for Jim. Believed he's a prophet. Believed he's healing people. And
0: believe that, that like, like God. To yeah. Them. And that their promised land was in jeopardy. Like this. Right. This like we'll do anything to protect
1: thing. the what we've built here. Yep. Yep. So they shot at them, which was absolutely insane.
0: Mm-hmm. Congressman Ryan and four others were killed. And, like, a few people got away, like, ran into the yeah. the forest and stuff and got away. One but of the
1: news crew guys got away, like, lived through it. Like, he was, he pretended to play dead. He just laid on the ground. Mm-hmm. And people were getting shot right next to him. I've seen interviews with him. It's just unreal. But so clearly, scary and so out yeah. of the blue.
0: But clearly, Jim was like, kill Congressman Ryan. Because like, yep. he, he was, like, the first person to go. Like, they wanted to.
1: He must have done something or, like made jim feel threatened or inferior in some way like passive aggressively or something for jim to want to like take him out like that you know well i
0: think it was a soon after
1: i think it was almost a power move for him to be like all right guys if there's anyone else that wants to go with me you can go with me you know jim's probably like wait a second i didn't say that like now he's like making the rules Mm -hmm. and he felt threatened by him so then he turned on him
0: yeah yeah so after jim's bodyguards you know soldiers or whatever ambushed the party and killed the congressman they radioed back to jim immediately and told him that the congressman was dead so this was clearly like a hit he put yeah. out on the congressman He was Different. like go after yeah. them do not let them get away mm-hmm. and then he gave this last speech which is just truly crazy
3: jim cobb is laying on the airfield dead at this moment yeah. Remember the, the, the uh, Oliver woman said she, she'd come over and kill me if her sons wouldn't stop her. These, these are people the peddlers of hate. All we're doing is laying down our life. We're not letting them take our life. We're laying down our life. We're taking their lives. We just want peace. How can you do them all the time taking a drink to, take, to go to sleep? That's what death is, sleep. Whatever, I'm tired of it all. Bring it here so the adults can begin. Beg you, don't, don't fail to follow my advice. You'll be sorry. You'll be sorry. That we do it, and that they do it. That's right. That's right. Us trust you. You have to step across. We used to think this world. This world's not our home. Well, it sure isn't. Right. We were saying it sure wasn't. He doesn't want to tell him, all he's doing, if they will tell him, assure these children, can some people assure these children of the relaxation of stepping over to the next plane? We've set an example for others. We've set 1,000 people who say we don't like the way the world is. Take our life from us. We laid it down. We got tired. We didn't commit
1: suicide. We committed an act of revolutionary suicide protesting the conditions of an inhumane world. Wow. I truly can't imagine being one of the People's Temple members out there that's like sitting in the audience listening to this like,
0: Ugh. he sounds like fucked up.
1: Oh, totally. He's, he's like, sounds like almost, almost like slurring his
0: word. Yeah, yeah, he sounds like so like just high totally. and just fucked up.
1: But can you imagine listening to this in the audience if you were like, wait a second, I was never planning to kill myself when I came mm-hmm. here. Like, this is not what I signed up for.
0: Yeah, and he's like imagine immediately to, like, talking. Your
1: heart would just sink. Like yeah. thinking like, oh, yeah, guys, we're all going to kill ourselves, basically.
0: Yeah. And just like the feeling of panic and fear spreading throughout the because I'm pretty sure he's like speaking over a loudspeaker. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Which is so weird. Like he out of all the things you put up in like this encampment in the middle of nowhere, he puts up a loudspeaker system everywhere across mm-hmm. the whole property. So he could just like hop on there and just start talking. And that's what yeah. when he was like giving his speech is what he's saying. Because he said that because we killed the congressmen, um, you know, America's gonna come for us and they're He's, gonna destroy and they were. us. Yep. yep. And then he started talking about like maybe like the Soviet Union or Russia, you know, may be able to help us. Like, you remember how he was talking about that? It was like so weird. He was like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He was like, maybe, you know, we can, you know, go get help from them. But ultimately, that wasn't what, you know, happened.
1: It's really interesting that he said that. I'm curious about that actually.
0: But he just drove so much fear into his followers because he yeah. was like telling them that the Americans would torture their children, rape, rape their women, and brutalize their old and people. And basically,
1: he told them the world's bound to end anyway from nuclear yeah. holocaust. So yeah. you might as well just die right now for a purpose. Exactly. And it was interesting how he's like, you know, we're going to lay our lives down. We're not committing suicide. This is an act of revolutionary protest. Um,
0: to try we're to like. Just giving create up because we're
1: tired and we want to create meaning with our lives.
0: Yep. Yep. So that's exactly what they did Um, that evening in Jonestown. Jim Jones ordered his congregation to drink a concoction of cyanide laced, grape flavored Kool-Aid type. That's It's
1: just so devastating to think about because there were so many families here, like so many people that truly wanted a better life for their kids, brought them over here. And this was not like everyone was. You know, volunteering to do this. A lot of people were forced. I mean, it was a terrible situation, and the children. I mean, I don't think any of the children like were like, "Oh yeah, I want to voluntarily kill myself." I think pretty much all the children were like forced murdered in yeah. a sense.
0: Pretty much, yeah.
1: Um, and there were so many of them. It's so sad. It was just absolutely devastating. Just bodies everywhere.
0: It's so fucked up, too. Like, he ordered that all of the children and babies drink first. Yeah. So, so that the
1: parents could monitor it and, like, make sure. Make it
0: sure is. it happened and then also to just, like, cause them to want to do it even more because they right. just witness their child dying. Why so would you want to live? Why would you more? want to live? Exactly. It's just crazy. Though.
1: Ugh, it's so devastating. Like, I can't imagine being, like, a mother and being stuck there. Like, or what if your, like, husband was down for the cause and you were kind of just, like, there and, like. I just can't imagine how much panic and fear people must have had. And
0: it must've been so scary. It man. It's
1: like truly brings tears to my eyes. It's like one of the one things that I talk about, you know, doing this type of content. Jonestown is just brutal, man. It's so sad how it ended for these people because these people truly were good people who thought they were really part of an amazing cause and wanted change and wanted, you know, equality and, you know they had no idea what they were getting into when they first signed up for this shit and it's just they thought they were like
0: living the dream like living this you know spiritual dream of being in this place where everybody can be truly free and there's yeah it's socialist and everybody can have you know everybody can survive and have enough clothes and food and shelter and everything and be this happy place Uh and it turned into the exact opposite turned into a complete nightmare i mean it's just crazy because cyanide is something that does not kill you instantly. It's a very, very <sighs> painful way to go. Actually, you want
1: to think about what those kids went through.
0: Because oh like after you drink it, it takes some time for it to actually kill you. So you're like you could hear people like screaming and as they're slowly suffocating and the people there was people that actually just straight up refused to drink the uh, yep the Kool Aid. So they actually would be stuck with syringes of cyanide in their necks and head. Was actually when they went and you know started looking over the bodies and recovering yeah, bodies people were attacked people had abscesses in their heads and necks and shit where they had been syringed with cyanide and then know. the fucking just to just sum this all up like everybody committed mass suicide yet jim jones was found dead on the floor with his head resting on a pillow near his <laughs> deck chair with a gunshot wound to the head
1: like a little bitch that he is.
0: Essentially, it was Made everyone suicide.
1: else suffer with poison. Yeah, and he got the
0: easy way out.
1: Yeah. Bastard. I don't often use that word, but Jim That's Jones what he, is a bastard.
0: Totally. And like there's some debate there on whether or not he actually did it himself or if somebody else actually shot him or he instructed mm. somebody else to shoot him. But it seems Could to be. He'd probably
1: be too much of a pussy to pull honestly, the trigger Honestly, that's himself. what I'm
0: saying is I feel like somebody else probably did it. You probably told him like shoot me here or whatever. But the images of of Jonestown in the aftermath is just truly devastating. I mean, it's it's a scene unlike anything you will ever see. It's horrific. I mean, just to see people like there's even people laying dead on the ground with their hands still held and arms around each other. Like people yeah. really did, like it's just crazy that we haven't seen something like this really ever Mm-mm. in this way just absolutely innocent people i mean honestly i would say this around. was way less a suicide as it was just this massive murder massacre yeah. of innocent life that happened here i mean
1: there were some people though that were down for the cause and wanted to do this couldn't make everyone do this you know mm-hmm. but there were a lot of people that were forced into it
0: yeah yeah god it's just so insane and that's man. where
1: you, you know that term uh, yeah. drinking the kool-aid comes from yeah yeah, if you've been drinking the Kool Aid, like you've been you've been falling for something, basically. Which is You're so fucked tricked. now
0: that you think about it. Like, yeah, that people use that, yeah. so loosely.
1: I know. Well, I don't think a lot of people like <laughs> even remember that's what it's from, or even know.
0: True, true. That's just crazy, man. And in, in all, 918 people died, including 276 children. It was the greatest single loss of American civilian life in a deliberate act until the events of September 11, 2001 wow that's crazy powerful that's really crazy if you think about it that is that is a a massive amount of people people.
1: 918 that's i mean that's just so many people
0: and these poor children Mm men that got dragged into this it's just insane and you know after this all happened essentially the people's temple got like shut down they went bankrupt like they were totally screwed after this and i mean they got so much heat dissolved yeah it ceased to exist what's interesting is that um you know thinking about what happened to the rest of jim jones family obviously he died of of seemingly a self-inflicted gunshot wound but on the final morning of Congressman ryan's visit jim jones's wife marceline took reporters on a tour of jonestown and later in that day she was found dead at the pavilion having been poisoned interesting that she had may have been poisoned maybe even by jim himself who knows but Jim Jones actually has surviving sons, interesting enough. Uh Steven, Jim Jr., and Tim Jones did not take part in the mass suicide because they were actually playing uh with the People's Temple basketball team. How isn't that in when I when I heard this, I was like, wow. That is so They had a basketball team? What the hell? Like it's so random and <laughs> so know, weird. Really like is. the P and then the People's Temple like were playing against the Guyanese national team in Georgetown. So they completely were just like had no idea that this even had happened <laughs> but it was i mean obviously being jim jones's kid is rough after this happened yeah um and definitely. actually I'm
1: surprised they lived honestly
0: yeah i am too and they actually uh got placed in or stephen jones got placed into guyanese prison for three months and after returning to the united states jim jones jr was placed under police surveillance for several months while he lived with his older sister, Suzanne, who had previously turned against the temple. So she had defected prior. Um, but it's just crazy. Like these guys live on and this documentary has got a lot of their uh, testimony and just eyewitness accounts mm. of what happened. It's and very interesting. And to hear thoughts from on their, their dad. perspective. Yeah. It really is. Um, so definitely check out Jim Jones, uh, Terror in the Jungle is what it's called, I believe. And on Sundance, cause it's, it's a really good documentary. If you're looking for more visuals and, and just more on Jim because it's it's super interesting, despite how tragic this whole thing was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, do you have any other final thoughts about this at all? Like, I mean, what else? Do you can think you say? this could happen again? <laughs> like, the Uh-oh. whole thought is like, could this ever? Ha- you know, this happened once. Could something like this ever happen again?
1: I think people are more watchful. I don't think it could ever get to this size and be this out of control without people knowing. I mean. <laughs> But then you look at like Scientology. Yeah, but that's the thing. And some know, of the accusations coming out of Scientology are just as bad. I don't know. It seems to like, happen again for sure.
0: I mean, I just have a huge problem with people using spirituality and religion to gain control and power over yeah. others. To I make think there's people something people
1: feel empowered.
0: Yeah. There's something It's in, the
1: same way that religion, in a way, makes gets people to join is by making them feel empowered or enlightened or connected and somehow spiritual in some way. Spirituality in like a spiritual sense in someone is a very powerful thing to try to control. In sure. Someone.
0: Sure. Absolutely.
1: Cause you know, that's one of our biggest things that we want to know as a human is like, where do you go when you die? What is the point of life? Like these mm-hmm. questions. And then when you say you have the answers, a lot of people it are, puts you
0: in a position yeah, of power.
1: Definitely. Especially when they believe you.
0: Totally. Yeah. It's a really, I don't know. It's really hard to, to think if this could happen again or not. Cause I mean other than scientology like in this way you know yeah um obviously scientology is like way smarter than jim ever was as far as their tactics and everything and the fact that it's literally made up from fiction but (laughs) i don't know man it's really crazy to be you know there's probably other examples of this out there with certain types of, of denominations of christianity even where you know somebody gains power and influence and money and you start questioning their intentions as a pastor or preacher are they really there to save souls or are they there to you know following gain following influence and power and money in the bank you know yep i don't know super interesting it is but yeah you guys will have to let us know what you you guys think of Mm -hmm. Jonestown, what you think of the documentary and stuff because it's just such a crazy crazy event it really is but we'll go ahead and wrap it up there today guys. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Mile Higher. Hopefully we took your mind a mile higher today.
1: <laughs> you said another episode of the Mile Higher.
0: <laughs> hey, we're just Mile Higher. Mile Higher podcast. <laughs> but yeah, leave us a comment, like, subscribe. Let us know what you guys think. And yeah, we will see you guys next week. Stay safe and stay woke. We'll see you guys next time.